Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Happy Hour Podcast. I am your host, Ricky Valero. On today's episode, we are going to take a look at week two of the NFL. Um, we have so much to talk about. Obviously, week one was just one of the craziest week ones we have seen in recent time. We're going to share some thoughts on tonight's Thursday night football game. We got Matthew Fox's games of the week, fantasy football start and sit, my week two best bets, and of course, we end the show with the movie corner. As always, I am joined by my partner here who's living up in the city of Arizona or state of Arizona right now, Mr. Matthew Fox. How are you, bud? Yeah, just wrapping up my week here on assignment, uh, basking in the Chiefs' glory. You know, I'm I'm a longtime Chiefs stan. So, oh wait, Monday was rough. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the only thing I think that you have going in your favor because of that game was just the fact that how crazy Week One was, right? Yeah, I guess it was. You know. <laughs> Spent all of Sunday and the first half of Monday with all these rowdy Chiefs fans and then put on my Broncos polo. Fortunately, I was locked in an escape room as they were uh, making some poor life decisions in the fourth <laughs> quarter. So I was spared watching it live. I looked at it on my phone, wept a little, came home, fired up the footage, wept some more. So I heard Peyton Manning had, had screamed at his TV 67 times or whatever to go for it. Did you do the oh, same? Yeah. Like they, it was so, okay. So the, the one thing that I noticed from week one, obviously people forget that there's going to be that um, process change, right? This is the first live action. A lot of these guys have seen, you're not getting those repetitions in preseason practice is do- totally different from live game. But the big thing for me is this, that we can excuse some of what we saw in week one because of that. Cause I've always liked to bring up now the Jaguars came out, beat the Colts week one. I think it was like two or three years ago. And everybody's like, maybe the Jags are going to be something. And then they lost 15 straight and went 1-15. and So I like to always bring that up. That's mainly for my buddy Chris because, he, you know, the Bears won week one. And here we are now. He's one step closer to his bet being right. But with that being said, I can't excuse the coaches' piss-poor clock management and time management on the sidelines. Um, You've got Vrabel was terrible at the end of that Titans game. And, of course, pack it here at the end of this game these are coaches that have been around for a long time like you can't you can't make excuses for the time right so there's a couple things that i take away um if you read my monday recap you know one of my takeaways from sunday was preseason reps might not be as overrated as we've been led to believe um you know you had a lot of teams whether it be the opening game thursday with the rams or the Bengals on sunday or the cowboys on sunday night or green bay each of the last two years who never played their starters and rolled out there looking rusty. Well, Denver's in that same boat. 
Hackett, you know, you have a new coach, new quarterback, new offensive scheme. They didn't bother to play a single snap together. Neither did they do that with the defense and the new defensive scheme. And I think particularly seeing uh, Geno Smith look like a poor man's Joe Montana there in the first half has to be a little bit of a worrying sign that, you know, you saw in the second half, Denver didn't allow them to score a single point. Well, that tells me that you just weren't ready for prime time with all your guys and all your positions. The other thing, though, which is it was a very concerning start for me watching Hackett, you know, losing a game, those kind of things happen. But we moved on from Vic Fangio because they, he couldn't get enough out of the offense. They were an undisciplined team, and clock management was terrible. Well, we scored 16 points, scored three points in four red zone trips, 12 penalties, hard to be a little more undisciplined than that. And I know you're going to get a couple of penalties because of the noise in Seattle, but that does not account for everything. And then the clock management and the decision-making at times, particularly in the second half, was terrible. He has time to get better, but as a Broncos fan who you know had high hopes for a new coach coming in to specifically address these three areas, seeing those three areas be the downfall yet again was infuriating. Yeah, it's it's wild. Um, and the, what makes it worse, it's not like, all right, we saw the Bills blow out the Rams, right? That's one thing. We knew the Bills were going to be one of the best teams in football. The, the Rams did come out a little flat. They did make some mistakes that maybe defending Super Bowl champions shouldn't, but there was a few key changes in that offense as well. I uh, It's understandable to get beat on week one by one of the teams that you consider being one of the best, right? But across the NFL, you had the Titans, who were a playoff team, one seed a year ago. And then, of course, you had the Broncos, who paid a lot of money to bring Russell in there. They paid a lot of money, and they, they, they brought the coach in. They brought Hackett in there. You lose to quite possibly two of the worst teams in the NFL, right? That's something that is inexcusable. I I feel the same way about the Colts right now. The Colts, they did look. The Texans are terrible. I don't care what anybody says. Davis Mills is not a good quarterback. He's serviceable for what they're doing right now, but they came out very flat as well. And I blame that as well on just not being ready. You know what I mean? Matt Ryan first real game action with these guys. This unit. I don't understand what they're doing at receiver. They still don't have any receivers outside of Pittman, really. I just I didn't understand why they didn't address that this offseason. I know they did a couple later in the draft. But, again, we're talking about teams made a lot of changes, and some of these teams came out falling flat. But with that being said, we're already rushing in to week two. This year's going to fly right by, and we're going to drop in and talk about news and notes. The biggest news of the weekend, obviously, Dak Prescott. And this one breaks my heart because I love Dak. I do, and I do think that he is a very good quarterback. And there's it's whether it's the injuries or just the Cowboys' inability to run a decent offense. The, the offense looked abysmal regardless when he was on the field. You can tell that them getting rid of Cooper was a, was a massive hole in this offense that they're trying to funnel through. CD and 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 just Dalton Schultz and Zeke and Pollard trying to get all these other you know makeshift kind of items in there. They miss Cooper and miss Cooper bad, but the injuries were were took a toll. Prescott out potentially four or five weeks, depending on what it looks like. They're not putting him on the IR, so that's a good thing, but also something to keep an eye on. Elijah Mitchell out. Um, so now you know we got the 49ers who will probably run 
you know, Jeff Wilson this week for 20 carries, and then next week Marlon Mack, who they just picked up, might have 35. So that's going to be fun. This is going to be an even more pitfall of a running back situation. Najee Harris is hurt, apparently okay, but again, it's something to keep a monitor on. Uh, T.J. Watt got hurt. That's huge. Now he's not apparently not out for the season, but pec injury is going to be hard to come back from, especially for a it is an aggressive and and a violent uh, play player that he is. I mean, he was he was wrecking havoc this past week on the Bengals, and you saw that. But as soon as he came off the field, you knew something was wrong. Another crazy game that that Steelers Bengals game was insane. The fact that Bengals were even in that game kind of highlights how bad that Steelers offense is um, right now. But uh, thoughts on the injuries? So I'm going to take them in reverse. The Steelers as a whole, um, you know, they actually did something that some of these other teams didn't, and that is protect themselves against injury. One of the most underrated trades right at the end of the preseason, Steelers went out and got Malik Reed from the Broncos. He led the Broncos in sacks the last couple of seasons. He's uh, the primary backup to TJ Watt. Nobody is TJ Watt, but they worked on developing. I liked what Highsmith did on Sunday. You have Malik Reed coming in there. I think that unit can hold together for a few weeks. Still have a lot of talent. Najee Harris, part of me thinks they'd be better off sitting him for a week or two and trying to get him healthy. He has that Liz Frank issue, now high ankle sprain. Doesn't seem like they're going to do that. The more worrying thing for me, though, in that area is their offensive line did not look greatly improved. They were not opening lanes for running. Um, so that is something to look at. The Mitchell situation is tough. You know, I thought it was going to be tough with Trey Lance growing pains. We didn't see a great week one performance. Looks like he's going to be missing Kittle again in week two. Now Mitchell's out, and they're kind of shuffling that backfield. And Seattle looks a lot better than we thought they were going to look. Um, we'll have more on that in a minute. But I, I'm wondering after these first couple, three or four weeks what the cries from fans are going to be for Jimmy G uh, behind Trey Lance. I think it was rolling the dice in a terrible way to keep him behind them. And for Dallas, you know, Dallas is another team that I would chalk into that group of teams that decided they didn't need to play starters single snap. They looked rusty. They're really missing Tyron Smith. They lost Connor McGovern early in that game, so they had a brand-new left side of the offensive line. Seems sort of important to me. And then there were some head-scratching calls, especially early. You're facing the Buccaneers, who have a pretty stout defensive front, and you're doing all these weird triple end-arounds. I mean, they lost massive yardage on a lot of those things. I think Kellen Moore got a little too cute by half there. They are going to need a lot of luck um, with Cooper Rush. Hopefully Dak is only four weeks. They had said originally could be up to eight weeks. He broke a bone, had surgery. They're putting a screw and a plate into the throwing thumb. That doesn't seem great to me with how Washington looked. And how Philly looks, I think Dallas is probably at best going to be a third-place team in that division. And I think that they that basically slammed their playoff window shut when Dak got hurt because they're going to have trouble surviving that early stretch. One of the things I was impressed with week one with, uh, was Washington's defense, right? It kind of I understand it's the Jaguars, but they came out and played a little bit better. Um, they settled in a little bit more in the second half, and I was kind of impressed with their ability to – um, get to the pass, get get to the quarterback because they kind of had Trevor Lawrence dancing around a little bit. I think Trevor Lawrence looked really good though, compared to what we saw from last year. He did have some moments of where he missed some wide open throws, but I think it was just because of the pass rush. But 
And I'll say this, Carson Wentz didn't look terrible. He did have a bonehead pick, which you're going to get from Wentz. You know what I mean? You're going to get at least one or two bonehead plays from him. But um, Johan Donson looks like the real deal as well. So I, I'm, I'm excited because, you know, we're going to find out real fast who is or isn't a real thing in the NFL come week two. And speaking of which, week two, let's talk about Thursday night football. We got quite possibly the biggest game of the weekend starting on Thursday here. We have the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. And the only thing that's really upsetting is the amount of injuries that we've got going into this game. We don't have a healthy Keenan Allen, which is going to be tough. But um, some of the other players for the Chargers are going to have to step up. Um yeah, I, I, we're going to see what Josh Palmer's got. I love Gerald Everett before the season started. I talked him up a lot. He looked really good last week. I think he's an easy uh, an easy guy that has to start for your team right now, especially tonight against the Chiefs. Um, no Keenan Allen. I'm concerned. You know what I mean? I, I think that's going to hinder um, the Chargers. But I'll tell you what, man. Justin Herbert looks like he's been playing for 10 years. It's impressive to watch him throw the football. It's it's impressive to see the way he commands the offense at such a young age. Um, you don't get that right out the gate. And there were so many questions about, not by me because I loved Herbert coming out, but there were so much, so many questions about his leadership and what he was able to do on the football field. And I think he's done a very good job over the last few years, really kind of wiping that away. And another thing you have to look at is, could you imagine – if the Dolphins took Herbert where they would be right now versus where they are right now with Tua. Not saying Tua had some rough moments, not saying Tua did look terrible, but I think we'd be all talking about a whole different thing with Herbert, Jalen Waddle, and uh, Tyree Kill on the football field. But another impressive thing, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who just dominated the backfield this week, and I know everybody's talking about Pachinko, Pachaco, Pachiki, whatever his name was. Um, but everybody doesn't realize most of his carries came in the second half after that game was already under wraps. But uh, your biggest questions of the week were no Keenan Allen. Should we be concerned? I think so. Um, I, I think that this favors the Chiefs a lot. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think that he's going to be a weekly start for now. What do you think, Flex? Yeah, for the for the Chargers, you know, one great thing about Justin Herbert, too, not great for those of us uh, who are in fantasy and want to rely on these receivers, is he's been great at spreading the ball around and using whoever he has at his disposal. We saw that again last week. I think Palmer will be involved. DeAndre Carter looked decent last week, probably get involved. But I do expect three guys to kind of step up and carry the load. They need to get Mike Williams more involved. The Chiefs don't have a terrible secondary, but they don't have any real superstars in that secondary. I think there is going to be a big push to get Mike Williams. He's clearly their best receiver. Love what we saw from Gerald Everett last week. I have him as a top 10 play again this week. I think he's tracking toward being a tight end one. Feels like a really good fit there. And then Austin Eckler. He had a ho-hum game in week one. I think they'll get him more involved and get him going a little bit more. Those guys will help. On the Chiefs side, you're right about Pacheco. He didn't make an appearance until the Chiefs were up 37-7. to That's a 30-point lead. The game was over. I was sitting in my hotel room watching the Fairweather Arizona fans file out mid of, midway through the third quarter. Then Pacheco kind of went off he looked decent but Edwards Lair seven carries 42 yards caught three passes 32 yards and two touchdowns doesn't sound incredibly impressive but he probably would have had a lot more role if the Chiefs hadn't just been waxing um 
the Cardinals. You know, they really didn't need to put him out there. He had a great yards per carry. He looked like he was involved in all three phases. We never saw Ronald Jones. It was him and a little bit of Jarek McKinnon while the game was still being contested. I think you're right. He goes back to having the potential that we thought we saw when he was drafted. I never thought he was going to be a high-end running back one, like what a vintage Kareem Hunt in that offense was. But I thought he could be a serviceable running back too. I think that's back to being the case. I have him down in the 20s this week. I think he can have a good chance to make an impact. And if you get on one of those runs where he gets two or three touchdowns, which they come in bunches sometimes with Mahomes, he can give you that top 12 upside. But I think he's going to be involved and going to be an integral part. I like what the Chiefs – I don't like it as Broncos fan, but I like what the Chiefs were doing in spreading the ball around. I think that's made that offense even more terrifying and dynamic because you're not just focusing – on Kelsey and Hill, although Kelsey's going to get his. They were using MBS. They were using John Hamler's favorite player, Juju Smith-Schuster. They were using Scott Moore. They were using Michael Hardman. They were using the backs. They used two uh, or three different tight ends. It really made it tough to defend, and I think that's going to be the big problem for the Chargers tonight, especially with J.C. Jackson still a bit banged up. Yeah, what blew, he, he, threw, he completed passes to nine different receivers last week. I talked about this when I talked about the Chiefs on our AFC episode. I felt like the Chiefs were going to be more dangerous now without Tyreek than they were with Tyreek because, for me, Kelsey's always going to get his. It doesn't matter who the receiver on the football team is. He's going to get his. But I felt like if Mahomes is able to spread the ball around the way he did this week, you're going to see something that's going to be absurd out of this man. And I really still believe that. I mean, I, I said he was one of my MVP picks. It was either him or Lamar Jackson, and Lamar looked really good. Uh, this past week for a guy that can't apparently throw the ball down the field. He threw the ball down the field pretty well last week, but uh, Mahomes looked great. Um, I still think that he's going to, he's going to get his. And he even said it before the season started. I feel sorry for fantasy owners because he's going to, he's going to divvy that ball up everywhere. And I mean, you're talking about, you had five different guys with three plus catches last week. He's going to throw the ball around and it's going to be a weekly thing where it's a mess, but outside of Kelsey, I kind of like McKinnon tonight at a flex play. Um, if the Chargers can stay, I mean, it's a very volatile flex play just because you're you're talking about if the Chargers have to stay in the game, but uh, I don't hate him in that slot. But for the winner tonight, I do have the Chiefs winning this game. I I, I really wanted to I really want to see Herbert do his thing, but we're an arrowhead. We're on three days rest. We're talking about taking on a team. You know, they both these quarterbacks are going to look great tonight, but. I, I have the Chiefs winning. It might be a little bit closer than I think than obviously the Arizona game was, but would it surprise me if the Chiefs win by 10-plus? No, it wouldn't. What about you, Fox? Yeah, I think the AFC West is going to beat up on each other all season long. I see a lot of splits. I'm um, going with the home team Chiefs as well. Yeah, I remember whenever I did my uh, whenever I did my thing, you know, uh, predictions. It was like, all right, everybody in the division three and three. Let's move on with our lives. <laughs> you know what I mean? But with that being said, we're gonna go into uh, Matthew Fox's games of the week. Do you want me to change the quarterback though? I mean, do I have to change that background? <laughs> all right, I'll let you go. Sorry, 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 sorry. So my Sunday early game this week, a divisional matchup. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers head into New Orleans to take on the Saints. Both teams started out 1-0. The Saints really made a sweat it out in what should have been an easier matchup with Atlanta. But I'm going to leave you with the number, 4-0. That is the Saints' regular season record with Tom Brady as quarterback 
uh, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Can Tampa Bay win a regular season game against New Orleans? I think they will this year, but I don't think it's going to be this week in New Orleans. Um, I am looking forward to to this one. Michael Thomas is all the way back. It seems like that made my heart happy. Liked what they had with Jarvis Landry. I think they've got some stuff going and. For whatever reason, the Buccaneers seem to scuffle. They'll probably be without Chris Godwin this week, the way it's tracking. Julio Jones is still 95 years old. You can't sell me that he's still a top 20 receiver. I'd have to see it for 75 weeks in a row before I was buying that. My uh, afternoon game that I want to highlight is the Cardinals at the Raiders, two teams that did not have a great experience on opening day. The Cardinals got shellacked at home. Uh, they don't have a a ton more to be optimistic about in this one, although Rondale Moore could play. Will he be better than Greg Dortch? Signs point to no. Uh, I'm not a huge Rondale Moore fan, but maybe it'll be nice to have him out there. The Raiders, on the other hand, they actually didn't look that bad. They just got killed by turnovers, I think a little bit of rust. They were one of those teams that didn't really play starters in the preseason. I think they're going to come out strong in Las Vegas, and they'll be the ones to get off the snide and start 1-0. I think it's going to be a tough start for Arizona, but both these teams, if you can have a desperation game in week two, I think both these teams who have playoff aspirations come in with that. Sunday night game, Bears at the Packers. It's not a big shock that one of these teams is 1-0, one of these teams is 0-1. The shock is which team is which. The Bears coming off a pretty inspiring win against the 49ers at home, 19-10. Meanwhile, the Green Bay Packers still haven't arrived for the game against the Minnesota Vikings. We could see Alan Lazard in this one. I think that can do nothing but wonders for Aaron Rodgers. I also think home cooking is going to help get them going. I expect a better game from Aaron Jones. The guy averaged almost nine yards carry or over nine yards of carry, but they only let him carry it five times for reasons surpassing understanding. They also gave more targets to A.J. Dillon than Aaron Jones, again, for reasons surpassing understanding. I think Aaron Jones gets more involved. Aaron Rodgers has said he owns the Bears. I think the Bears will put up some fight, but the Packers will get their first win. And then my upset special this week, I was so, so close. I had several upsets on the docket last week. I went with the Lions over the Eagles. The Eagles look really good, but the Lions made a fierce comeback. I was hanging on. I only lost by three points. Well, you know what? I'm doubling down on another team that I picked to get upset in week one, and that was the 49ers. They did get upset by the Bears. Does not look like Kittle is going to play. Elijah Mitchell is out. I think there's growing pains with Trey Lance. I think the Seahawks are a little bit better than people gave credit for. And they're one of the teams that actually played their starters in all three preseason games. They definitely look like they were better prepared and better in the groove. This is always kind of a fierce rivalry. I don't think it's a blowout game, but I think the Seahawks end up covering the spread and turning over the 49ers. I like it. I like it a lot. I like some, some controversial picks there. I, I, uh, yeah. You know what? I was so mad. I I was very confident in the Vikings winning that football game, and I just never bet on the Vikings to win that football game. But with that being said, we're going to transition into our next segment, the fantasy football starting set. All right, folks, we're back with our fantasy football start and set. With that being said, I'm excited because – you know, each week, um, Matthew Fox and I share our starts and sits. And my starts for the week, um, I just mentioned him, Kirk Cousins against the Minnesota Vikings. I think that he's a very solid play this week. 
Um, the Eagles defense, they got sick of being upsold at gyms. My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details beaten up on last week against the Lions. Um, Kirk Cousins looked really good in week one. This team looked uh, – it's just one of those teams, they, they clicked on all cylinders. They really did. Cousins looked good. He threw for 277 and two touchdowns. There's no reason in my mind he can't do that again. I think he's in that 275, 300-yard. Um, this could be a shootout-style game unless that defense really kind of gets a hold of, of Jalen uh, Hurts, but I don't think they do. 275, two touchdowns, and an easy no-brainer for Kirk Cousins this week. I'm um, starting Devin Singletary this week as well. Um, if you saw Saquon Barkley last week, um, holy shit. Um, he torched this Titans defense that does not apparently want to stop the run. Uh, Singletary looked good week one, and I think that he's going to go out here and they're going to rely on them being able to run the football on this Tennessee team. Uh, Marquise Brown is my start of the week at the wide receiver position. He looked good in week one. And I think as Matthew Fox suggested, you're talking about a team that is in desperation mode because you're talking about a team that typically normally starts off very fast. He had 443 and a touchdown in week one. I think that he's going to replicate those stats. The Raiders secondary is decent, but not great. But we saw Herbert do Herbert things against it. Dalton Schultz is my start of the week at the tight end position. I know that's crazy to say, but um, I think that they need a security blanket and a favorite security blanket of a young quarterback is definitely a tight end. So I like Dalton Schultz this week to still get his. I've already seen people talk about whether or not they should start him all over Twitter, like, oh, new quarterback, young quarterback, et cetera. You, you start the stud. He's going to get his at the end of the day. What about you, Fox? So uh, my standard that I use uh, for both start and sits is top 12 quarterback, top 12 tight end, top 24 running back receiver. Um, I will say if fall off a cliff Kingsbury starts out 0-2, that is a real red flag for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, my start at quarterback is Carson Wentz. I know you're thinking Carson who, but he threw for 313 yards, four touchdowns. He finished as QB3. This week he gets the Lions, who allowed Jalen Hurts to finish as QB5. Uh, Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel both look uh, as good as advertised. They might actually have one of the most improved wide receiving cores. Curtis Samuel, just paying me back for picking him as a fantasy MVP last year, actually looks good this year, um, but that benefits Carson Wentz. So he is my start this week. I have him top 10. My running back start this week, I'm going with Miles Sanders. Uh, it is an important contract year for him. Uh, he hasn't always delivered on the talent that we thought we saw. But in week one, he carried it 13 times, got 96 yards and a touchdown, caught two passes for nine yards. He finished his RB 13. This year, week, he gets a Vikings defense uh, that allowed quite a bit of rushing uh, work to Detroit, allowed uh, DeAndre Swift to go off. Jalen Hurts is going to run, but I think Miles Sanders, we can feel a little bit more confident in his workload and the talent is there. He's still healthy right now, so I'm going with him. Wide receiver, looking at Michael Thomas for the Saints. I mentioned I thought the Saints were going to have a good shot because they seem to play really well against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. He had eight targets last year, caught five of the eight for 57 yards, two touchdowns, was a guy 
that Jameis Winston was looking for in the red zone. They really started to click in the second half. I think that was a product of not having a lot of time to work together in the preseason. Excited to see him back. You know, it hasn't been that long since he was one of the better receivers. Uh, the last one, and this one hurts, my tight end star of the week is O.J. Howard for the Houston Texans. He caught two passes for 38 yards, both of them touchdowns in week one. As Michael Corleone once said, just when I thought it was out, they pull me back in. And that is the case for O.J. Howard. As I saw somebody say on Twitter, apparently all Howard needed to do to succeed was to get away from Tom Brady and Josh Allen, who are weights around his his neck, gets there to Davis Mills. This is more about the matchup play. The Broncos lost Justin Simmons, their all-world safety, for at least four weeks as he went on to IR. And the team last week allowed eight receptions for 102 yards and two touchdowns to a combination of three Seahawks tight ends, most of which were not named Noah fan. So those two things combined make me very nervous as a Broncos fan, but make me very happy as somebody who took a flyer on OJ Howard. What are your, uh, what are your sits for the week? So my sits for the week, uh, quarterback sit Trey Lance, um, you know, he was QB 27 last week. I think he'll do a little bit better and get into the teens, but I don't see him finishing as top 12. I, uh, you know, maybe when Kittle's back, I'll feel a little bit better. My running back sit David Montgomery, uh, the Bears line is not great. They managed to win that game, but Montgomery carried 17 times of mustard, just 26 yards rushing. He was outrushed by Khalil Herbert. Herbert seems to be a factor change in coaching staff. Looks like they're using multiple backs, so you don't get that for sure. It's all Montgomery all the time. He did have a couple of receptions. He was RB41 last week. I think he might be a touch better than that this week, but I don't think he's going to make the top 24. My wide receiver said also going to Chicago. I'm not trying to pick on the Bears, but that Bears offense is a work in progress, if nothing else. I liked Justin Fields and the way that he – uh, you know, managed to use the assets he had, hit Dante Pettis for a touchdown, hit Equinemius St. Brown for a touchdown. Darnell Mooney is their best wide receiver, but he only saw three targets last week, only caught one for eight yards. Green Bay has a decent secondary, has a decent defense. They're going to be on the road. The big thing about Mooney is he's by far their best receiver, so they're keying on him as a defense. I think that might take some time to get on track. Hopefully Mooney is a little bit better than the wide receiver 111 finish that he posted last week, Uh, but I am not putting him in my top 24. And then my tight end sit is Hunter Henry. Last year he was – One of the bright spots in the Patriots offense, he was insanely efficient on his receptions versus targets, and he got a ton of touchdowns. It just doesn't seem like there's the same love for Henry with Mac Jones and, more importantly, with Matt Patricia and the play calling such as it is on offense. Week one, he was out-targeted and out-received by uh, Johnny Smith, his fellow tight end. If they're going to be splitting that work, plus it's not going to be a super high-volume pass offense. This week, they're going against the Steelers, who have some incredible safeties. Hunter Henry is a touchdown-dependent tight end, too. I think the tight end position just sucks, period. Um, with that being said, I hate – I just – you know what? We, we're we slowly getting rid of kickers in a lot of leagues. Tight ends are next. Just like just, just throw them to the wayside. Just make everybody a wide receiver. Um, with that being said, my sits of the week are Tua. Um, I just I, – I, I need to see more. I think that he looked very rough around the edges this past week. And I think that he got lucky in some points with some of the some of the pl- ball placement there. Um, I don't like him against this Ravens defense. I know they have some some injuries like they do every year, but I don't love the start. I like some other guys better. James Robinson's my sit at the running back position. 
Um, it's crazy to see that he came out and did what he did, but I like this Colts defense. I think they're going to be much more improved and much better and settled in this week. My sits at the receiver position, Brandon Cooks, um, the secondary for the for the Broncos is very good. Um, I, I like that you had O.J. Howard in the tight end because I almost went there because I feel like they're going to hone in and try to take Cooks out of this game. And my other one is I don't have a tight end. I have another receiver, and that's Devontae Smith, who failed to even receive a catch in week one. Um, I, I think I'm going to sit Smith. I, I don't know. I think Smith just might not be worth a nickel this year. Honestly, I think there's going to be weeks that he's going to be, uh, have good games and there's going to teams that are going to hone in on Brown and maybe take him out of the game. But you're talking about a team that's very capable of running the ball. They throw the ball very fast. And that rapport between Hertz and Brown was just electric from the first drive. So I don't like Devontae Smith. I don't really like him much moving forward. So what were your thoughts on that one real quick, Fox, on, on the Devontae Smith stuff? You know, I know it's week one, but I just feel like I don't know if I'm going to ever be able to sell him on uh, in my lineup each and every week. I don't have very many shares, but. Well, he did. He wasn't an incredible finisher last year for the Eagles when they had far less competition. Jalen Hurts is going to be good, but he runs a lot, and it looks like they're committing to running with running backs a lot. And then you have A.J. Brown, who's going to be a target hog, Goddard, and some other pieces out there. I didn't have Devonta Smith ranked particularly high. It's going to be better than four targets and no receptions. But I don't think – I'm starting to be with you. I moved him in one place that I had him preseason, and I'm pretty happy with that. With that being said, we're going to move on to my bets of the week. All right, last week, folks, on this very show, I gave out three plays. I gave Patrick Mahomes over two and a half touchdowns, which he hit in the first part of the second quarter. I gave the Ravens minus seven, which was seemed like a no-brainer. And then, of course, as I'm ready to go 3-0, and the Lions make this miraculous 95 points in the fourth quarter, which only pushed the minus three that I took on the Eagles. So my first week, I was 2-0-1, and we're heading into week three, which a lot of questions – I don't have any spreads or money line through this week. I have some fun props across the board. I like the Cincinnati Bengals minus three in the first half against the Dallas Cowboys. Again, folks, that's a minus three in the first half. The Bengals are just going to be much better than this Dallas team. They're banged up. I don't see how they're going to score very many points. No matter how bad the Bengals looked last week, they still moved the ball down the field. It was a lot of bonehead mistakes, and I look for them to bounce back against this Cowboys team that were not able to kind of, I think Mixon can have a really good week as they move the ball down the field because playoff Lenny looked like playoff Lenny. And with that, I think it's going to set up the pass for the rest of the a passing attack. I like the Bucks over two and a half touchdowns. We all know, and Fox mentioned it earlier, that the Saints have this weird stranglehold over Brady in the regular season. I don't know what it is. They've beaten Brady. I think it's four straight times in the regular season. Will they make it five? I don't know, but my point is this. I think the Bucs go over two and a half touchdowns. They gave up 24 points to the Atlanta Falcons last week, and I think that this team obviously is much better. Also, key in that game is going to be playoff Lenny because the Saints did give up 120 yards on the ground to Cordell Patterson. I like the Bucs over two and a half touchdowns. Again, what I like is the team total for the Bucs this week is 23 and a half. But if you take the two touchdown, two and a half touchdowns, all you have to do is score three touchdowns. Who cares about extra points? Who cares about two-point conversions? You just get the money off of the touchdowns. My last one of the week might surprise some folks. 
You know what? I don't know why this number isn't a little higher. The Titans over one and a half touchdowns. Okay. So again, it's not points. It's touchdowns. They only have to score two touchdowns Monday night against the Bills. I understand the Bills looked phenomenal last week against the Rams and the Titans. Well, they lost to the Giants. You know what I mean? Again, I like to remind people that was week one. For some reason, in the entire uh, time Vrabel's been coach of this team, they've played down to competition, and they play up against the better teams. They sh- We saw that last year throughout the entire season, especially when um, they beat the Rams last year without Henry, which is a wild game in itself. I don't care. I think w- Will the Titans lose by 30? Maybe. Again, I don't care. As long as they find the end zone twice, I'll be a happy man. So just to recap real quick, Cincinnati Bengals minus three at the half against the Cowboys. The Bucs score two and a half touchdowns, over two and a half touchdowns, and the Titans on Monday night over one and a half touchdowns. Fox, before we transition over to the final segment of the show, what did you think of my three picks this week? Yeah, you, you noted the rushing um, total for New Orleans. If you add Mariota with what he did they allowed 192 rush yards so saints really need to clean that up I oh, like wait, see, what you're them. saying is so wait a minute so basically what you're saying is tom brady's gonna run for about 50 yards and no, i'm just kidding all right <laughs> not in the entire year is he gonna run for 50 yards i think the only one i would uh question is the titans um because the rams were only able to get a touchdown in that game at home titans are going to be on the road I don't know that they get two touchdowns. They barely got two touchdowns against the Giants. I know. I, I know that. It's crazy to me. I just think the number's too low. For me personally, if I was running the odds, I feel like this number should be over two and a half touchdowns, and you're getting plus money on the over. And I don't think anybody would bet that. But you're looking at what I'm getting this at is like minus 150 right now, which is very solid, I think. I just really feel like they're going to – I feel like the Titans are going to score probably 20 or so points in this game. I just think it's going to happen. I think they play up. Could be wrong. You know what? I've been wrong before, but it's very few and far between. I'm kidding, everybody at home. So what listening. you're saying is the Titans are better than the Rams. That is not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying in week two of the NFL, I expect them to score two touchdowns. I knew you were a Titans stand after you took that many Titans on your redraft teams. I hate you so much right now. With that being said, folks, we're going to transition over to our movie corner. For those of you that hang out and listen to that part, we greatly appreciate it. For those who don't, we understand as well. Um, But make sure to check out the Music City Drive-In. We're all pumping out some great articles throughout the week, throughout the entirety of the season. Um, It's going to be fun. Also, if you see any fun tweets on Sunday during the football games, drop them to me in a DM. On Mondays, I'm going to drop an article each week that of all the tweets that we find on the NFL and we share amongst each other and we drop them in an article just to share some of the funny tweets that we saw throughout the games. Um, With that being said, we are going to transition over to the movie corner. Folks, we have a load of movies dropping this weekend and we're just nothing short of every genre across the board. We have Pearl dropping, which is the follow-up of the movie X. See How They Run is hitting theaters, a little mystery thriller there. The Woman King starring Viola Davis. Goodnight Mommy is dropping on Prime Video. And Do Revenge is dropping on Netflix. So nothing short of a lot of content for you to consume, whether it's inside the movie theater or at home. Um, this past week, we saw Clerks. Three is getting a more wide release this week, so that's going to be something to keep an eye on, folks. Fox, what are you are you catching any of these ones in theaters or on demand this weekend? Yeah, you also forgot God's Country uh, goes oh, yep. wide 
worldwide this week. Um, I'm excited about many of them. I did not see X. I will probably not see Pearl. Um, maybe at some point on VOD. It's also Batman Day on Saturday, so I'm kind of excited about that, taking the wife to see Batman Returns on the big screen. I talked her into it by letting her know it was a Christmas film. So <laughs> can't feel me. Uh, I saw a couple uh, while I've been here in Phoenix as a way to unwind at night. Uh, saw the horror movie Barbarian that opened last week. Um, I know you got a chance to see that one as well. I thought that was fantastic. Uh, very creative. Uh, very yep. unexpected. A lot of people have noted it's good to go into the movie cold. I thought that was exactly right. You don't really want to know what's going to happen so that you can just kind of be in the moment and embrace that. And I also saw Clerks 3. Um, you know, I saw Clerks the first time when I was in college uh, and went all through Kevin Smith's kind of canon. I've been following Jay and Silent Bob for a long time. Seeing those guys up there made me feel incredibly old. Uh, <laughs> realizing that Clerks is almost 30 years old made me feel incredibly old. Uh, those guys talking about being 50 years old made me feel incredibly old. I was expecting a comedy. It is very poignant. Um, I was impressed particularly by Brian O'Halloran, who plays Dante. Um, a couple of his emotional sequences, and especially some of his back and forth with Rosario Dawson, it really gets you. And, um, you know, his speech at the apex of the movie and, the, and then the climax, it was a very emotional journey. Um, it's probably my second favorite Kevin Smith movie now. I still... I'm a big Mallrats person. I'll just, you know, to make of that what you will. Um, but I do like it the best of all three of the Clerks movies, and it's because of that emotional resonance. That it also felt very nostalgic, um, you know, looking back at, at the original film. Some of uh, Kevin Smith's best performances as Silent Bob. Um, you know, Silent Bob picks a few times, sometimes only one time, where he's going to speak during a movie. Um, some fascinating insight into as a filmmaker making clerks was part of his dialogue uh, in this movie. It was very meta, uh, but I enjoyed it a lot more than I was expecting. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a very movie. I, I agree with you a hundred and a hundred thousand percent. Uh, it, it kind of impressed me um, with, with what it brought to the table. I've, I've been, um, yeah, it really did. Uh, I think there's another thing dropping. Is it Margot? Margu, Margu, I don't know. How to, Margux? 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 Margux. Something like that. Something like that. M-A-R-G-A-U-X. I don't even know how to say it. I'm not good with pronunciations around here. But it came out last week. It was a good little B-minus thriller that I really enjoyed. Um, it's available on VOD if you get a chance to check it out, folks at home. Um, I think I'm seeing The Woman King today. I'm very, very excited about that. I love Viola Davis. I think she's an incredible actress. Um, the story looks compelling and interesting. I'm going to see where that kind of lies within my, um, you know, Oscar predictions moving forward. Not really looking forward to Goodnight Mommy. Not something that really looks like it's going to pique my interest. Um, Naomi Watts might make it good. Who knows? Do Revenge. Loki excited about this. No, don't tell anybody about it. I really am excited about that one. It looks like pure trash. And, but it looks like Ricky's kind of pure trash. So um, see how they run. Um, I'm pretty intrigued by that. I love a good mystery thriller. I heard it's cheap fun, and that's my cup of tea. Um, Pearl, I hated X, and uh, I'll see Pearl at some point. I was supposed to see it last night, but I had some interviews instead. Speaking of interviews, I'll have some fun ones up for you guys next week. I had a blast 
um, talking to a few people yesterday on a couple movies coming out soon, including um, On the Come Up. I can talk about this one technically because it's coming out next week on Paramount Plus. Um, really, really like the movie. It debuted at TIFF last week as well. Saw it. Really enjoyed it. Um, comes from the same writer from I Hate You Give, Angie Thomas, who wrote the book I Hate You Give. Um, very well directed. Lead, lead actress Jamila. She is incredible in the movie. But um, yeah, I, it's we're in the movie season. You know what I mean? Like it's movie season. Like we're in the next couple weeks. It's a little bit soft, a little bit slow, and it's been slow. And now we're we're finally getting into the groove of of awards movies. We've got those coming up. I've got some trips coming up to AFI. We, we've got some award movies coming out from TIFF and stuff like that. But I'm excited to where we're at movie wise, and and it's only going to get up. It's only going to be go up from here. You know what I mean? Like we have a fall slate that's that's massive. So including Babylon, which I um, cannot wait to see. Um, if you guys thought I was unbearable around Elvis, which I still am, and I'm surprised Matthew Fox hasn't left me yet for that. But if you think I'm unbearable for Elvis, folks, just wait till Babylon because Damien Chazelle can do no wrong in my eyes. So, yeah. All this time this week with Chiefs fans has given me uh, more patience. Oh, look at you. I'm proud of you. I uh, I don't know if I take that as an insult or not, though. But... Uh... <laughs> Um, folks, I'm excited because, uh, and make sure to do me a favor, folks, check out Matthew Fox's show, uh, his podcast, movie podcast, uh, and video. I love what you guys are doing, you and Eric. Uh, when's the next one of that? You got the, you got the episode up with Jaws, right? Yep. We did our, uh, best of summer and we looked at the original summer blockbuster Jaws. Uh, we will end up starting weekly toward the end of November, but we our next one that's coming up, we're going to do a little horror movies. We're going to look at Smile, um, probably The Monsters, and Hocus Pocus 2. Uh, it will be on September, October the 2nd, because September 30th is the Friday. Fun thing about Smile, I heard that it was originally supposed to come out in just on streaming or just like on demand or whatever. And apparently the scores were so good that they decided to bring it out in theaters. So it kind yeah. of raised my excitement a little bit for it. Well, it's been a decent um, start to the, the horror movie season already with, with Barbarian and some of the, the ones that are coming out. I'm low-key interested in The Munsters, which... Um, Netflix is not marketing at all, which drops on September 27th, the day before Blonde, which might be the biggest horror movie on Netflix this month. I, I have that. I'm going to watch it this weekend. So, Dear Lord. Um, Two and hours, then, like 45 minutes long. So, Hocus Pocus 2, kind of curious about that. Eric and I will probably give our, uh, I know we're definitely going to give a couple of classic films from our childhood, including the one that my mom found uh, to try to scare me because I was insufferable about nothing scaring me. Also, Meet Cute drops on Wednesday as well, by the way. Pete Davidson, Kelly Cuckoo. Can't, it's a solid one-star film. Can't, can't talk about it yet, but I love Pete Davidson, so... Well, as a Titans fan, I understand. Ouch! Damn it, Matthew Fox. On that note, make sure to follow Matthew Fox on Twitter uh, at Nighthawk7734. Follow myself at Ricky Blair on score. Make sure to check out the Music City Drive-In for all our latest articles and reviews. Matthew Fox, I hope you have the most bumpy, uncomfortable ride back on your flight from Arizona, and I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> 
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.